Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, it's Rob here from the Dig Deep the Mining podcast. And today I've got Robert Fig, who specialises in commodity risk management, who has worked in the banking and mining industry for over 30 years so understands the risks involved for companies within the mining sector. He has his own consultancy and set up metals risk team, along with a few other partners providing commodity risk and management services to the industry. And Robert will explain a little bit more about his company during the podcast. So I'd like to uh, introduce you to Robert Fig. Hi, Robert. Hi, hi, how are you doing? Uh, Not too bad, thanks. Good, Rob. Um, obviously, we met a couple of weeks ago at the Natural Resources uh, Conference, um, and you were keen to do a keen to do a, uh, this podcast. And um, yeah, it's a, obviously a subject that's pr- probably pretty pretty important important around risk management. Um, so, first of all, just like to get a better understanding of your background, how you got into the mining industry, and how your career developed. Um, obviously, you've worked for mining companies and obviously with banking institutions. Um, so, give us an overview of obviously your your career and how that's developed. Great, uh, thanks, Rob. Uh, well, um, my background is I come out of uh, postgraduate studies in economics in South Africa, um, and uh, my first uh, job, really uh, post university, was in commodity research, where I worked for a number of global institutions and governments. Uh, looking at uh, commodities um, in general. And um, from there, I went to work for a series of banks and brokers, most notably Scotia Capital, uh, which was a ring-dealing member of the London Metal Exchange at that time. Um, And uh, from there, I went into industry. I uh, set up and ran the commodity risk operation within Treasury of First Mittal Steel, uh, then ArcelorMittal, the world's largest steel company, uh, which was a major consumer of uh, non-ferrous metals, energy and other commodities. From there, I went to work for the London Metal Exchange and uh, spent some years working with the Metal Exchange, looking at uh, new products and helping to train customers of the market in how to manage some of their uh, metal risks. And then uh, just over two years ago, I joined um, a group of people called the Metal Risk Team, which is uh, four of us, uh, two in New York, one in Toronto and myself in London. And we specialize in working with um, major mining and industrial companies in helping them to manage their metal risks. Um, Many of the, um, uh, the companies that we work with are Uh, mining companies who are major, obviously, producers of metals and who face peculiar risks, uh, which which, uh, many have uh, found very difficult to manage over the last 10 years. 
So we've, we've had a very interesting time of it. Each one of us has over 40 years, just to correct you briefly, of experience um, in, in this field. And really, I think we are uh, not only the foremost group in this field, but I think we're the world leader in this field. Okay, that's, that's good. That's a good summary. Um, so have you always been in risk or have you done worked in other other disciplines within the mining industry or has it always been in risk and and if so what other apart from risk what other um, attributes would you say you have right well uh, i i think the um I, i've always been in metal risk uh, right from the very beginning of my career i've always looked at the exposures that countries have and mine individual mining companies and industrial companies have to commodity risk you know, um, uh, Rob, many companies are very find trading in foreign exchange very easy uh, and it's an, a natural thing for them to do. But when it comes to commodity risk, people shy away from uh, some of the consequences of, of uh, commodity risk management. And so I've spent uh, most of my career working with companies that have found it difficult um, and have worked with them to... Uh, identify first of all what these risks are and then how to manage them efficiently okay. yeah so what 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 do what challenges do companies mainly have in risk management um and i mean sometimes they may not necessarily see it it's that evident um but what kind of what are the main issues that companies will face mining companies that will face in in looking at risk management okay well i think um there are two uh, major risks that mining companies face. The first is that they are producers of metal. And so between the time that they produce the metal and they sell it and receive money for it, they are at risk that the price of that metal goes down. And so the idea behind risk management is to lock in those periods of risk so that the mining company can protect itself against a falling price uh, during each one of those transactions that they are involved in. The second kind of risk that mining companies face is that they are sitting on huge inventories of metal, uh, whether it's underground, whether it's above ground, whether it's in inventories, whether it's in work in progress or whatever. And they too face the risk that um, the price will go down. And so the way in which they would use the market would be to forward sell on the London Metal Exchange, for example, to protect themselves against a falling inventory value. Okay. So, so those are the two kind of major risks that, um, that companies face. But getting companies to recognize that they have these risks is sometimes very, very difficult. Yeah, I can understand. And what do you see as the difference between sort of hedging and risk management um, and what advantages does it have? Right. Well, I think, first of all, one has to clearly identify your metal that is at risk. The, the, the material that you have in your uh, inventories or your, uh, in your transactions, you need to be able to clearly, uh, accurately and in a timely way identify those exposures. That is what I would consider uh, risk management. It is the identification, 
the accuracy, the timeliness, um, the, the, the ability to uh, quantify it in a software system. Those are all the parts of the risk management system that I think are, uh, are of as uh, important. When it comes to actually hedging, that is the actual transactions that one undertakes to manage those risks. That's a different uh, part of the process. It's one part of a, a very broad process. And very often, um, companies um, don't necessarily do both in, a, in an accurate way. So our, our role is to really help those companies to identify and manage those exposures. Yeah. You mentioned, obviously, commodities and the risks that are associated with particular commodities. Would you say in the current climate, there is, there is commodities that are more risky there than others? And is there ones that are more safer than others in, as we, obviously, as we're speaking, as we're speaking today and in the, the market as it is at the moment? Right. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, it begs the question, you know, what has happened since the crash of 2008? But we have seen some significant rallies in commodity prices over the last 10 years. Um, it took a long time for commodity prices to uh, really uh, take off in many ways. So um, it's a precarious business. Um, it, you know, if you look back historically at commodities, they go through fairly volatile periods um, of, uh, of their existence. So you tend to see um, highs and lows. You tend to see um, short bursts of, to the upside and longer and longer bursts to the downside. And, and so it's a question of trying to smooth out that volatility through using uh, hedging tools or risk management tools that uh, give you the ability to take advantage of uh, commodities, not only in good times, but in bad times too. Um, so in answer to your question, there are lots of commodities that are have not uh, improved dramatically. And there are some, some commodities where there's no question about it. Um, new interest has been shown in commodities, particularly, for example, in the battery sector, in the electric vehicle sector. That has seen quite a, a strong rally recently. And what about the more, uh, uh, more? would you say the battery metals are more risky at the moment? Or would you say they're, they're less of a risk? I think that, that we've seen some very um, high levels of volatility in cobalt uh, and in uh, um, some of the other metals, manganese, copper, uh, and to a lesser extent, nickel over the last few years uh, as, as automotive um, purchases are trying to lock in longer term supplies. And they are being met by speculators in the market who are also trying to, or traders in the market, who are trying to um, obtain these metals elsewhere. So um, that has led to some volatility, but it seems to have calmed down recently. Okay. Um, I wonder if you can explain the difference between transactional and uh, strategic hedging. Yes, sure. Yes. Okay, well, uh, let's give you an example. Um, I am a mining company and I have a regular um, sales contract with an automotive company. Yes. So I sell that automotive company 10,000 metric tons of copper per month and um, for, let's say, uh, uh, a one-year period. Yes. Um, and so I only 
the purchaser will only pay it at the end of the month, okay. which will be based on the average price of the London Metal Exchange for copper for um, each month during that year. And so the mining company that sells the copper is at risk that uh, each month the price of copper could possibly go down. So they would be a forward seller to protect themselves against a falling market over that one-year period. As the consumer, the automotive company, faces the opposite risk. They are at risk that the price of, those, of that copper goes up. And yeah. so they would be a forward buyer to protect themselves during the life of the contract. Remember that if that automotive company didn't hedge and the price of copper went uh, through the roof, their profit margin on their model car that they were trying to protect would be wiped out by uh, speculating in the price of copper. So by locking in the price of copper in that transaction, they are protecting themselves uh, they're protecting their profit margin during the life of that contract. Understand. So they're working with the obviously the fluctuations of price. Sure. And obviously, and they, yeah. they're locking in that price. So they know, yeah. you know, if you if you are buying a car, that car is sold worldwide at the same price uh, in 170 countries. Um, and so you not only have that copper exposure, you have other metals like aluminium, uh, zinc, uh, steel. Um, lead uh, um, and, and other metals, and you also have currency risks. So you would manage those to lock in um, your profit margin uh, by hedging out all your exposures. That is what I would consider a transactional hedge. Yes. Um, and so the mining company will, would try and protect each, each contract that it had by by selling forward in one form or another, whether it's through futures or options, to protect themselves against a falling market, and a consumer would buy forward to protect themselves against the rising market. So that is a transactional risk. Yeah. A strategic risk is where you're sitting on uh, inventories, you're sitting on what we call stock at risk, which may be um, uh, scrap metal, which has a certain amount of copper in it or other metals. Uh, you may have uh, inventory stocks. You may have a work in progress material going through the process. All of those uh, potentially could go down in value. And you would want to protect that as well by locking in uh, prices, um, at least for a percentage of that, to protect yourself against the possibility that the, these prices would go down. That would be a strategic hedge. Got you. Understand. Um, you mentioned past bad examples of, of uh, strategic hedging, um, which may be influencing companies to avoid this. Yes. What safeguards exist uh, with this kind of hedging to protect companies, such as those we saw trying to uh, chase up the prices prior to the crash of 2008? Yeah, I, th I think that's an excellent question in, in the sense that one really has to understand what happened in the lead up to the crash of 2008, where many mining companies thought they were locking in um, very high prices. Um, and um, unfortunately for some of them, prices continued to rise as people 
thought that the Chinese stories, the Chinese story was a never-ending story, and demand was a never-ending story, and they locked in those prices only to find that prices continued to rise, and they got caught in a margin squeeze. They got caught because they had to fund their short positions in a rising market, and we did see some very, very unfortunate examples of um, uh, hedging that uh, turned sour uh, during that period. And and um, mining companies uh, felt very um, strongly at the time that um, that you know they'd learned their lesson from this and that they shouldn't get actively involved in this kind of strategic uh, type of hedging. The problem really arose when the, the markets crashed because we then saw a sustained period of nearly 10 years where in many cases, um, mining companies were producing materials at l- a loss yeah. uh, and, and weren't able to take advantage of, um, uh, of that that sort of exponential rise that we saw prior to 2008. So what they should have considered, and I I, I think this is in general, one would look at this sort of strategy with regard to mining companies, is to use an option strategy where um, you you have the right to uh, lock something in, but not the obligation should it move against you. Then you would have the only exposure you would have would be the premium that you pay for your options. And at the same time, you would protect yourself against a downside and hopefully you would lock yourself in for a a sustained period during that that downfall. So um, really uh, what um, the mining companies faced, I think, in general, was that they hadn't hedged. And as a consequence, they were not able to uh, take any advantage of the, that exponential rise to lock in forward prices. And I think um, it, it is part of the problem that we see in the mining industry today, that there is an antipathy towards risk management um, on a strategic basis, which I think is an incredibly important uh, part of the process in smoothing out volatility in their balance sheet. And, and we have seen Part of the consequence of this is that many shareholders have fled uh, the, the, the the mining industry. Uh, you know, don't see it. M- many shares of mining companies are in fact below the lows of 2009. So we are still seeing the consequences or the fallout of uh, investors leaving the mining industry. Um, and I think that has. Um, I think that 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 is a serious problem yeah. in terms of new investment. Yeah, um, you mentioned nickel earlier. I mean, is there su- a sufficient liquidity in the the nickel contract on the LME? Yeah. Um, well, there's certainly sufficient liquidity for people to hedge out their exposures. Sometimes it's a bit thinner as you go further out, but um, the fact is that. Um, that should not uh, detract from the your your ability to uh, to manage your risks. There's certainly sufficient liquidity in the nearby for you to do that. So I don't see that as um, something that uh, I think it's a concern, but I don't think it's a major concern. Okay, and and should one sort of do long or short dated hedging when considering strategic hedging? 
I think with strategic hedging, I think it is um, really uh, important that um, you are, this is not a sort of a plug and play kind of uh, uh, hedging where you literally sort of put a position um, on with the markets and then sort of come back in six months' time. You have to manage strategic hedging on a daily basis and you need a very skilled set of people who um, whose full-time occupation is managing these risks. Uh, you can find that the market can move against you. It can move into uh, a different shape because the markets are determined by supply and demand and that could lead to uh, losses if you're if you're not managing it very carefully. So uh, strategic hedging really does uh, mean sort of a hands-on approach. And it may be the case that in certain circumstances, you would need to consider more short-dated hedging than longer-dated. Yeah. I mean, strategic hedging seems pretty complex and potentially dangerous rather than transactional hedging. Um, can you give some examples of past disasters that um, shouldn't one avoid these risks? Um, I mean, in other words, like strategic hedging could be purely, purely speculative. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I don't want to, to use specific examples, uh, although there have been, you know, companies that have actually gone bankrupt through, uh, in fact, um, selling um, either 100 percent of their exposure or in, in some cases more than 100 percent of their exposure in, a, in an attempt to raise cash, which I think was not the right way of doing it. And I think. I think, you know, when you're talking about strategic hedging, you need to really consider what percentage of your exposure do you hedge. I think you, you raised an important point here. It is to some extent a speculative trade because you are, it's a one-sided trade, unlike a transactional hedge where you're guarding a particular transaction. Here, you're, 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 you're laying yourself open potentially to something going wrong. So you need to be aware of the kind of instrument that you use, such as the one I uh, suggested where you consider uh, optionality and you you may not, uh, you may have a different tenor, in other words, the period that you manage your risk at, and you may also decide to only hedge in, in if, for example, you're a mining company, if the market is in an upswing, you may, uh, only hedge a very small percentage of your exposure. Okay. Lastly, what are the major internal costs in setting up the infrastructure? Um, you need to be, obviously you need to be in hedging in the first place. Um, and how do you identify these risks and I mean, what reporting systems are needed? Um, what instruments do you need? And um, I mean, do you, do you have to have training to set up all these systems to obviously manage these risks? Yeah. Um, well, uh, the idea behind um, this, I suppose, is that, you know, if you're managing any kind of risk, you do need um, the requisite training. I think it's terribly important that every country, a company um, manages this to a very, very high standard. Um, it has to meet um, very rigorous internal governance controls. It needs to adhere to a company policy. It needs to have the right software in place and it needs to have a trained staff. 
obviously, if the company is a large publicly listed company, then these uh, costs can be very easily absorbed. The smaller your company is, the more difficult it can be. Uh, but um, it is clearly, in my estimation, a full-time occupation. So you do need to have somebody who's trained in this way. And um, it is, I wouldn't say expensive, but if you do it correctly, um, the consequences could be uh, very, very advantageous to your bottom line. Uh, banks will see you as much more sophisticated uh, um, counterparties, and I think they will treat you as such in terms of lending. Um, I think you will uh, have a much smoother balance sheet through employing hedge accounting techniques. Um, and so there wouldn't be these wild swings that you tend to see in mining companies' annual reports. Um, and you would be managing these according to a, a, a policy. And I think this is where um, Metal Risk Team comes in. We can help companies to do all of these things, to give them a holistic approach and, and contain costs um, basis the size of your balance sheet uh, and, and, and do all the training that's necessary, put in all the software that's necessary. Um, these days, software is cloud-based. It's uh, readily off-the-shelf available, uh, available. And, um, you know, all of these things are, are within easy reach of all uh, sizes of company. Okay. I was just going to say in uh, a concluding, uh, concluding remark, um, obviously, you're part of a company or the, there's a group of partners, Metal Risk Team. What can you offer companies that want to sort of focus on their risk management? Um, what kind of services do you provide and how can you help them? Well, um, easily contactable um, through, um, you know, all sorts of media um, and email and telephone. And um, we can really come into your company sign a non-disclosure agreement, uh, um, train your staff, um, do a full audit working with you to identify what your exposures are like, uh, help you draft and uh, prepare a company policy, put software in place that is adequate to your needs, and uh, then train everybody in not only the use of the software, but your purchasing team, your sales team, your treasury team, your finance team, in how to work together to uh, create a, 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 an advantageous and disciplined environment to manage these risks. Um, so we um, can be found on met, the, metal risk, the metalsriskteam.com uh, and uh, please uh, get in touch. Yeah. And have you got an email address that you can give out? Uh, yep. Uh, um, rfig at btinternet.com rfig at btinternet.com yeah. is the way to get hold of me um, and I can be uh, reached uh, on that any at any time. Yep. And are you on any social media platforms? Yep, I'm on uh, WhatsApp, I'm on um, LinkedIn um, and th uh, th those are the main ones and we have a website as I said. Yeah, okay. And alternatively you can contact myself um, and I can pass a uh, any uh, emails or questions on to Robert, uh, my email address is rob at mining-international.org. Um, Robert, really appreciate it.
time in uh, in um, doing yeah. this podcast. I think it's an important subject, and maybe some companies do overlook do overlook risk. Um, and I think it's something that people need to think about more. And hopefully, you've given given the, the listeners a good overview of what they should be looking out for. So thank really, you very really, much. Really for the appreciate your time. Robert, I appreciate that. No worries. Well, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep the mining podcast if there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow rob and mining international on linkedin facebook twitter and youtube for more content and to have your questions answered until next time happy mining